0: Hello, everyone. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Wednesday, June 24th. I am Matt Barrios in for Dave Lomas. This week, our podcasts are in a series looking into God's justice, justice for all people, and exploring some prophetic texts from the Old Testament. I'm taking a look at part of the book of Jonah, not the part about Jonah in the belly of a big fish, the often startling picture from close to the start of the prophetic narrative that gets an inordinate amount of attention. Instead, I'll be looking at the moment Jonah is obedient to deliver the prophetic word for the people of Nineveh that God gave him, as well as the aftermath of giving that word. But first, let me set the scene. The book opens with Jonah receiving a word from the Lord in Jonah 1 verse 2. The Lord says, Go to the great city of Nineveh in Assyria, and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah does not like the call God gave him. He's a reluctant or even resistant prophet. He immediately goes the opposite direction of Nineveh. How human of him, right? I'm sure many of us have had that experience of getting some sort of impression that we believe is from God, and then we fearfully flee from it. Maybe these are big calls that are burnt on our hearts. Or maybe they are simple things, like to lay hands on and pray for a person who's sick. In fact, uh, that very impression to pray for someone who is sick was one I got very recently, and, uh, and I didn't take initiative with it. Luckily, someone I was with did initiate praying, and I got to join in, uh, but initially I resisted it. But like I said, there might be a clear impression, and then maybe we simply disobey, or maybe justify it through self-doubt or any number of ways we tend to numb or rationalize not stepping into what God has for us. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone here, but can we just admit that this happens for us, uh, like, on a regular basis? I think if we admit it, we can find some amazing kinship with Jonah. Resisting the call is what Jonah does for quite a while in the narrative, which sets us up for the moment I want to highlight for us. It comes in the final two chapters where the Lord reminds Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And again, that message that he's supposed to give uh, to a foreign city and culture is to preach against it and its wickedness letting them know this evil is an affront to God. I think this begs the question of uh, what, what exactly was so wicked and evil about Nineveh anyways. In another prophetic book of the Old Testament, Nahum, we hear the Lord's prophecy of judgment on Nineveh about 150 years later. The city is called out for its deceit, exploitation, robbery, violence, sorcery, sexual immorality, and so on. That's what uh, is in the book of Nahum and what it had to say. And we might assume these forms of unrighteousness and injustice existed in the city in Jonah's day as well. So this, or something like it, is the wickedness that Jonah is meant to prophesy against. And he does. For three days, Jonah walks through Nineveh, and prophesies against the wickedness of Nineveh. It's like a one-man protest empowered by God himself. And Jonah says all throughout the city, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And he prophesies so effectively that the people of Nineveh uh, repent before God. In chapter 3, it says, the king of Nineveh took off his royal robes Covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. And this uh, sackcloth and sitting in the dust are an embodiment of repentance and contrition of heart before God. Not only this, but the king decrees repentance from the top down throughout the city, commanding the people do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. It's like he ordains a city-wide fast of repentance. It goes on, But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. City-wide, A whole people mourn their sin and repent before God. And you might think Jonah would be happy to hear of a people turning from their sin and delight in his prophetic job well done. But he's not. And here's where it gets so interesting. The previously reluctant prophet prophesies so hard against the wickedness of Nineveh that he becomes a self-righteous prophet and delivers the only uh, that the only appropriate end is the full wrath and punishment of God that's what he believes but nineveh repents and god's wrath subsides as the lord has grace and compassion on the ninevites not bringing destruction to them due to their repentance At first glance, you might be wondering why Jonah is so angry at God's grace. But I'm indebted to uh, my friend Kyle Gong, who we go to church with, so a little shout out to Kyle, who helped me consider this more deeply. He considered um, the sort of evil of the Ninevites as being almost like the evil of the most evil people we can imagine. I mean, uh, in like American consciousness, it's like Hitler and Nazi level evil genocide, murder, deceit manipulation, violence all the evil what if this is what the Ninevites were like I started to imagine how I'd feel if God spared them and had grace when they repented and now I get how troubling it would be to Jonah he's walking the streets of Nineveh seeing the wickedness of the city in high resolution playing out right in front of him it must have been scarring and horrific he probably believed so fully in the wrath that these people deserved, and then God doesn't respond how Jonah wanted. Jonah wanted wrath, but God gave mercy to a repentant city of robbers, killers, and traitors, and Jonah's mad, and I'd be mad too uh, i and i and, I mean really, I will be upset. If God shows grace to all the people I am angry and grieving about right now. right now. Government officials who are acting horrendously. Brutal police officers that I sadly know by name. The tone-deaf and unsympathetic people whose posts I see on social media. And all around the world, the slavers and exploiters of the poor. The deceptive provocateurs, the indifferent henchmen of evil the abusers of people and corroders of our planet there's much to be said about my responsibility to live righteously and push for justice in all these things as one person and that's important to keep in mind and it really does affect choices I make in activism, spending and how I use my time yet also on a more cosmic and supernatural view of the book of Jonah there's more to say because you know I'll be mad if the God of the universe doesn't move with urgency to make things right now and bring evil low and that's what Jonah felt so it makes sense that Jonah is angry when he says isn't this what I said Lord when I was still at home that is what I tried to force to Forestall by fleeing to Tarshish, a- away from Nineveh. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah's anger with God's grace and compassion boils over even to desiring death. And it's possible for all of us to lament the choices of a free and almighty God. God responds by challenging Jonah's anger. And, you know, challenging that God chose to judge with mercy rather than wrath. The Lord gives a metaphor involving a leaf and shade and then, the narrative of the book just ends. And the Lord has the last word, and we don't know if Jonah accepts God's choice of mercy or not. For what happened to Nineveh, you'll have to read on in Nahum, but we don't know what happened to Jonah. Did he accept the perspective God gave, that he will judge mercifully or wrathfully at however God chooses? The scriptures give no answers, but instead beckons us into the same tension of a God with a mind of his own who stands as judge over all. And sometimes he is wrathful, and sometimes he is gracious, all as he sees fit. So how about us? When God judges, and he will, Will we accept his choice, his choice to judge wrathfully or protest for greater lenience? Or will we be satisfied if he chooses grace or demand wrath? Will we embrace God's judgment of the injustices in our world, whatever he may choose? This is a very challenging set of questions for me. Even as I was writing this, I had to pause several times as I felt confronted by this this narrative in scripture. And I hope it challenges you too. So God bless you as you wrestle through this tension about serving a God who is both just and merciful.